You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I got to talk with a clinical operations manager. His name is Tetsu Young, and something unique about his job is that he implements his knowledge of language into it. So Tetsu can speak five languages, English, Mandarin, Japanese, Spanish, and French, and he utilizes all of them into this job. Something that I know a lot of people want it is more normal jobs, so this job is more on the normal side, but it's with a unique aspect because he utilizes his languages with it. And that's what I really admire about him. And I just want to thank him for doing this interview. I definitely learned a lot. And I'm going to thank you for listening to this podcast right now. I feel like the PBS person. And thank you to viewers like you. Um, but yeah, that's really, I'm really thankful for all the support I'm getting. And I really want to thank everybody that's listening. But other than that, I just want to share the interview with Tetsu. Enjoy the interview. I just like because this one's kind of different because mm-hmm. I want to talk about your languages too, but then yep. I also want to talk about like your work in like um, molecular biology. Sure. So, yeah. and you said so finish. I'll, I'll give you a very quick rundown and then you can see yeah. how uh, how you want to structure this for, uh-huh. your, for your podcast. Okay? Uh-huh. So, basically, uh, from personal perspective, I was born in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in Taiwan because uh, my father's Taiwanese and my mother's Japanese. So I grew up in Taiwan, went to an American school in Taiwan until I graduated my elementary school. Mm-hmm. Then I came to Quebec and I lived here so, from you know, age 13 to about age 29. Mm-hmm. So high school, university and graduate studies mm-hmm. I did here. And then I went to Japan to do my postdoc, postdoctorate work in Japan. <clears throat> And one thing led to another. I did a, I, I did an MBA along the way. Wow. And then I went into the private industry, uh, into a pharmaceutical company in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got married and I switched jobs again. Uh, well, for the first time, actually. The, my, my pharmaceutical job was the first real like job in the industry mm-hmm. and then I went to uh, what is called a CRO so contract research organization where uh, <clears throat> uh, it was mainly for the work style that I, I moved from my previous company not not because I hated the job or anything mm. and this workshop work style is to work from home because my wife lived uh, far from Tokyo mm-hmm. and I had to take a flight every week to go see her so that wow. was a pain mm-hmm. so I got this job which I could work from home okay mm. and then I've been with this company ever since uh, but I've worked in Japan I've worked in Taiwan for for a bit and then I came I moved the whole family back to Canada mm. and this is where you know the, the main reason was to raise my kids in multiple languages and give them a good environment for, for studying and whatnot mm-hmm. but I continue to work with the same company uh, 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 working with my Japanese colleagues, uh, mainly at night. Um, okay, so that's that's like the big, big, mm-hmm. big mm-hmm. structure of, of everything of my career. Uh-huh. Uh, but throughout this, you know, why did I leave academia? Uh, is really because I wanted to use my uh, my language skills and and my cultural background uh, in my work and academic research. Did not, mm-hmm. you know, did not give me that opportunity mm-hmm. <clears throat> because 
you know, when you're a researcher, all you need to, <clears throat> you, you just need English, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, you, English is the science language, so you that's all you need. Mm -hmm. Whereas in business, with clients, uh, you know, depending on the company, you, ha you need different languages. And uh, in my previous job, I worked with, uh, you know, colleagues. I was in Japan. I was flying around uh, the world uh, using, using my English, Japanese, also Mandarin. I even took out my French a few times uh, when I was working with French clients. So, so you know, there's, there's more opportunities uh, in that from that perspective. But to make the jump from the private in, uh, from, from academia, you know, from academic research to private industry, uh, I I took an MBA. That's how I prepared myself to to make the jump because <clears throat> uh, as a as a lab rat, you know, if you mm -hmm. go into uh, private industry, then they're they're gonna send you to the lab, and that's not wow. what I wanted. To. Wow. Okay. That's, okay. So yeah. So that's where the languages are all, you know, uh -huh. really intertwined because I wanted to use the languages. Even when I was a student uh, during my university and uh, and graduate studies, I, you know, I was able to use languages uh, to to do a few interpretation gigs when I was here in in Quebec. Uh -huh. uh, Using French uh, and and Japanese, or I've even worked as a French, Spanish, uh, Japanese interpreter, wow. flying from Quebec down to Santo Domingo in uh, in the um, Dominican Republic. So, when someone asks <clears throat> you what is your job title, what would you say? Well, today I am a clinical operations manager. Clinical okay, operations from, manager. Yeah, that that's my uh -huh. current title. As a, <clears throat> I I uh, manage a team in Japan. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, I have I, my subordinates are basically team leaders, project team leaders, <clears throat> and uh, we run clinical. Our company runs run clinical studies. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> water here so our company runs clinical studies for you know pharmaceutical companies and uh, we go around uh, we we run global studies that involve different countries and I mainly uh, <clears throat> work with Japanese clients or, or global studies that include Japan as a as a country mm. uh, in the study mm -hmm. And uh, the Japanese research environment is something that's very, very different from everywhere else in the world. So the the cultural gap is very uh, big, wide, and uh, and so and so I still have a job, even though I'm, I'm you know, on the other uh -huh. side of the world, uh -huh. uh, just because I speak fluent Japanese and, and English, wow. and so, I know yeah. the research environment. Wow. So did you know, like, you wanted to work? in the science field from an early age uh not really well yes and no yes uh, from the perspective that <clears throat> my parents want me, wanted me to be a doctor mm -hmm. <laughs> so so I, I i really you know didn't really think about any other types of careers but mm -hmm. uh but uh you know reality is that i wasn't so good of a student 
mm -hmm. <laughs> wasn't really able to get the, the grades for medical school. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, so that was, you know, plan B in action where I went to graduate st school and, uh, became a fake doctor with my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then that led to a postdoctoral opportunity in Japan. And uh, my thought was, you know, go to Japan and, and start something. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of vague, but, you know, I, I, it's mm -hmm. not because Japan had the best science in the world uh, that I went there. It's, it's really because I wanted to, you know, um, use my Japanese uh, and start my network, my business network in Japan so that, you know, when I come back to North America, I could still work with Japan and Asia in general with my Japanese and, and Mandarin. Mm -hmm. So that was like the vague, vague you know, thought process mm -hmm. uh, of going to Japan. Uh, and I, you know, I had a, a good opportunity through my, my PhD supervisor, um, get, got connected to a good, you know, good professor in Japan. And uh, he took me on for about four and a half years. Mm -hmm. And it's during those years that I <clears throat> realized, okay, this is, you know, it's been a while that I've been in school and, and continue to do this, you know, training. Basically, when you're a postdoc, you're, you're basically training uh, before getting, you know, before uh, having your own lab. Mm -hmm. And uh, the prospects of being able to come all the way back to Montreal was not very bright. Um, professors, they, they stay in the university forever and they don't open the, the, the space for younger researchers so you know if i really wanted a job in academia I'd, I'd have to like find a place that had an opening and not say i want to go to mcgill or i want to go to whatever university in, in montreal mm -hmm. and, and and also i just did not see how i could fulfill my ultimate dream which was to work uh in this location free uh situation so you know, in academia, you, you know, you'll have a lab and you're, you're tied down by a space, by, by a place, uh, by a university. Um, so, so that's when I pulled the trigger. I said, no, I can't, I can't continue doing this. I was already, you know, 32 and, and, uh, you know, thinking to myself, I got to do something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, I thought I'm going to make a jump, go to the private industry and then, uh, you know, see see what happens there. Mm -hmm. uh, but do but before going there, I just thought to myself, if I were a pharmaceutical company and and I was to hire a guy coming out of academia, what what would you know? Where would I send this guy? And, and uh, the obvious choice was to send this guy to the lab, mm -hmm. and, and uh, that just you know, if I if I wanted to continue academic study or if I wanted to continue research. Uh, basic research then then I might as well study st stay in academia because that's where you have more freedom uh -huh. uh, in in a pharmaceutical company the, the research is really uh, geared towards uh, profit well I mean you, you have to make a drug that has a market and you know you have to s study things that already are you know uh -huh. have, have higher potential of, of becoming something Mm -hmm. Whereas in academia, you can you can do more research based on this, the real science. So so, anyways, long story short, I I didn't want to go to a, a lab. I wanted to do more 
you know, something uh-huh. that had to do that I could use my languages and be able to travel around the world. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so you knew so I, that like you wanted to use languages uh, yeah. as a part of your occupation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's my that that's my biggest weapon. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. I you know, while I was getting trained, you know, doing my studies, I was getting my PhD, I'm getting my uh, MBA and all this stuff. It's 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 fine and dandy, but uh the true glue, the real, you know, um um buffer that I have that that really puts everything all the pieces together is my languages and uh, and my cultural background. Mm-hmm. Uh, that allows me to use my science and and also my my MBA yeah, knowledge. Uh, and and that's that was the pitch that I gave at my interview to you know the interviewers when I was going to my previous company. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> I told them you know it. You're gonna send me to a lab, then don't hire me. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I I basically told them that. So what I want to do is, you know, be able to use my languages and my business background and my languages. These 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 three pillars, I guess, of, uh-huh. of you know that that I have that I want to leverage and be competitive uh, against all my peers. Uh, this is this is where I can shine. This is where I can contribute to the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think they, they liked the pitch. And the first job that I got at that company, the, the company is called Azai, by the way. It's, uh, it's, it was, at the time, the fourth biggest Japanese pharmaceutical company. Wow. And uh, my first job was to work under the CSO, mm-hmm. uh, the chief scientific officer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I was writing, you know, weekly uh, project reports to to the CEO of the company, mm-hmm. and here I am, you know, like a fresh, complete newbie, uh, and I was writing, you know, these reports to to the CEO. That was my first job, and wow. uh, and uh-huh. the four years that I had, you know, that I worked at the company were, you know, just tremendous uh, learning opportunities, uh, everything about the pharmaceutical business uh, from the, the the first screening tests all the way to the approval of a drug uh, by the FDA <clears throat> the whole process you know mm-hmm. uh, I was able to manage and, and, and go over mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, here I am coming from you know just a lab mm-hmm. knowing just a very 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 minute part of of research so that was a, a, a tremendous opportunity because uh, I had you know the three pillars, and I and I think especially because I was able to speak Japanese and English, and have science background. Mm. You just don't find that kind of combination. Yeah. Okay, you can have excellent scientists, but who cannot speak English. Uh-huh. Or you, you can have translators who who don't know anything about you know science. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And add to that, I did my MBA. So so now yeah. I'm doing. You know, one of the first things I'm doing with the CSO is evaluating project value. Okay, mm-hmm. so so making decisions on whether a project moves forward or not based on uh, NPV, which is net present value. Have you ever heard of that word? Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's the value of projects, whether it's worth the investment mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that that was the kind of stuff I was doing uh, at that pharmaceutical company. Uh, uh-huh. You know, fresh out of 
out of uh, you know my postdoc position. Yeah. Very and, very yeah. You know, fascinating, fascinating stuff. Uh huh. And what was the process like in terms of like language acquisition from when you were a young age? Okay, so I grew up in Taiwan. Like yes. I like I mentioned, my mother uh-huh. is Chinese and my father's Taiwanese, uh-huh. and um, so I spoke Mandarin with my father mm-hmm. and pretty much everyone else in Taiwan. That's the official mm-hmm. language of Taiwan, mm-hmm. and I spoke Japanese with my mother. Mm-hmm. Okay, and in Taiwan there are other uh, dialects like mm-hmm. uh, Hakka. Or in mm-hmm. Taiwanese, Taiwanese is like spoken by about 70-75 percent of the people in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So uh, Taiwanese, uh, I spoke with my friends in the in the streets, uh, with my nanny, who was you know who only spoke Taiwanese to me, uh, and uh, Hakka is, you know, I spoke Hakka with my relatives on my father's side because they come from this region in Taiwan mm-hmm. where they spoke Hakka. Mm-hmm. And uh, on top of that, my parents sent me to an American school, mm-hmm. American elementary school. So uh, there comes the English, which was introduced when I was about six. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I came to Quebec <clears throat> when I was 13 after I graduated from my elementary school. And, uh, and that was the introduction of French. Mm-hmm. And later on in life, <clears throat> I studied Spanish on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had a friend who went to Ecuador for a year of exchange. Um, so you know, I just thought I'd go and, and visit him and over the Christmas yeah. you know, vacations. And I, you know, I thought, okay, they speak Spanish there, and why not? And I just sort of studied uh-huh. it, and, and I picked it up. And uh, later, after that, thinking, well, I could do anything. I could, I could <laughs> learn any language. Maybe I have uh-huh. this special skill. I took German and Italian at the university uh-huh. uh, and finally uh, studied Portuguese on my own wow. while traveling because, I mean, it's quite close to Spanish. Uh-huh. Uh, but I suffered quite a lot with German. Uh, it, uh-huh. it was not as easy as I thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, Italian also, I mean, it's okay. I can read a little bit, but I would not put German, Italian, and Portuguese as a language that I speak uh-huh. fluently. Um, I could, you know, maybe order order food and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So is that like nothing counted six? Is that so six? I have five languages that I consider myself fluent. So when uh-huh. I, when people ask me how many languages do you speak, I always say five. Uh-huh. Okay. But these are five languages that I can, you know, that I have experience as an interpreter and I, you know, uh-huh. I've, I can communicate, you know, very, very well. Mm-hmm. So that's English, French, Japanese, Mandarin, and Spanish. And you've ob- like you obviously touched on how important the languages are to like your business side of like what you do. Mm-hmm. And for somebody that's like listening to this right now, like on the fence, like on the fence about wanting to learn a language, mm-hmm. uh, what would you say to someone that like wants to learn but doesn't know like if they should or shouldn't? Well, like anything, but especially languages, I think. What's important is to know why you are learning it. If you don't have the why, you're not going to get through the tough times. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get through the, 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 those periods when you're in a plateau. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Usually when you start a new thing, you can get to a pretty good level pretty quickly. 
and that holds true for languages for, well, I would say pretty much most languages, but there, there are exceptions. There are languages that are probably extremely difficult. So it depends on the language, but it's, it, it, that why is so important. You, you need to know why you're doing it and what it's going to get you. And uh, if you don't see that, uh, you better be pretty disciplined. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I want to touch back on like yourself, like your job. Uh, what mm -hmm. would you say like you do on a daily basis? Like what is your process like? Okay. So um, when I joined this company, it's called Covance, by the way. It's, a, uh -huh. it's what we call a contract research organization or CRO. Mm -hmm. uh, I was hired originally as a project manager. So basically you're a team leader uh, managing different departments. Uh, to run a study and uh, and my job being uh, the project manager in Japan uh, I, I took care of everything that was within Japan uh, all the patients the number of you know patients that we need to recruit in Japan uh, and uh, everything associated with integrating that data into mm -hmm. the global study you know the study could be running in, in the US you know various countries in the EU uh, and in Asia, you know, Japan, Singapore, China, whatever. And, uh, but Japan being such a unique environment, there's always some, you know, there's always a, a separate team only for Japan. And that, that's where you know, you need, I was uh, managing the team, uh, one project team in Japan and, uh, and, and, keeping the whole keeping the Japanese team on track for every milestone that we needed to meet so being kind of the the interface between Japan and the rest of the the world that, that's pretty much uh, what what I had to do as a project manager and then uh, I became a line manager uh, for these leaders the Japan leaders uh, and uh, and so I don't manage one specific project anymore uh, except on the rare occasion, uh, but mainly manage the people who manage the, the studies now. Okay, mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of what I do uh, now, mm -hmm. and uh, sort of mentoring the, the young leaders, mm -hmm. uh, teaching them about, you know, what it takes really to to run a study, uh, not not just to run a study in Japan from an operational perspective, but really uh, to be able to integrate. Japan into the rest of the world in terms of communication, in terms of you know logistics, uh, and obviously the operational side also. Um, so these Japanese, you know, like I said earlier, why, why I still have a job even though I've moved out of Japan is is really because of the communication skills and the experience that I've you know mm. uh, accumulated over the years in Japan, knowing about mm. the Japanese culture and also being able to communicate that efficiently. And effectively to uh, the outside world Japan is like a black box in terms of you know in the research world uh, for all the decision makers uh, in most big conglomerates you know, big companies uh, Japan mm -hmm. is always a black box and that's mm -hmm. because the communication style in Japan is very different and also very simply Japanese are not very good at speaking English Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, their English level uh, is very rudimentary, uh, and and they all believe that they're not very good at mm -hmm. learning languages, and and so they are very dependent 
You know, it is, it is, you know, English is like the bottleneck for the great majority of Japanese workers. And, um, and so I need to groom them, uh, teach them a lot <laughs> about not, not just English. I can't teach them English that that's just, you know, uh-huh. it's just not possible. And, and I make them realize that English is one obstacle, but beyond that is communication skills, which the Japanese also, uh, lack. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and these the Japanese people are very uh, I don't know if you ever heard this term they have a very high context communication style okay which oh, means yeah, yeah, yeah. which means they do not say a lot uh-huh. uh, and a lot of the things you know instructions uh, are all kind of understood uh-huh. okay this is called a high context uh, communication style. It's very vertical, so it's top down. It's authority based, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And it's and it and and what it at the core of this is that a person who is receiving instruction, basically your subordinates, are uh, have the responsibility of un- understanding the the message, mm-hmm. okay. So, a lot, uh, so <clears throat> um, if a Japanese person is presenting, uh, you know, or giving a presentation. Uh, they usually expect the audience to extract the message uh, implicitly uh, a lot of times. They're not very good at writing things out very explicitly and, uh, and drawing conclusions explicitly. And that's, that's very culture-based, and that's just, uh, it's just a fact of life in Japan. And we, I try to get them to change their frame of mind, at least notice that that's what they're doing, and uh, change it to, a, to a, a communication style that fits the Western style. Uh, way, which is uh, what was what is called more low context um, communication style. Um, mm. If you ever do any MBA, you you'll learn this in the uh, uh, in the uh, what you call it there, <laughs> the uh, organizational behavior is the the, the course. Uh-huh. Okay, so people in the Western world, uh, if you watch, you know, watch people give a presentation. In the Western world, it's usually the presenter has the responsibility of, of getting the message across. So the presenter feels very, you know, uh, has the ownership of making the presentation, you know, clean and, and, and well-structured and, and the message is clear, you know, big letters, big fonts, I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, they, they put a lot of work into making the message clear and, and, mm-hmm. and be able to transmit that. Whereas the Japanese style is, it's it's a lot of you know just just putting information on the on the slides but having people to sort of ex- draw their own conclusions kind of thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's it's very different yeah it's very different um a boss in japan often you know would would you know tell their, their his or her subordinate you know do i have to spell out everything for you you know and, <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh. A, a, a Japanese subordinate is expected to understand, you know, five or six things out of three things that are said, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. sort of. That that's sort of the the, the way it is. Whereas uh, the Western style is more, you know, you'll say three things so, to to get one thing uh, understood well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's it's that that you know it's it's a, it's a very different style. And uh, so my my job right now is a lot of mentoring. There's a lot of you know, grooming these uh, these young leaders, um, mm-hmm. 
getting them prepared for the global stage. A lot of them just, you know, they, they, they just, they got just enough experience to, uh, to uh, manage the Japanese team. And now they have to face, you know, directors and senior directors uh, as, as Japan, you know, the, as the interface, you know, the face of Japan. Uh, they, 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 they're not confident in their English. Now, on top of that, they have to manage a lot of things that I hadn't touched before, you know, finance and, and, and uh, you know, get into these meetings with the leaders, uh, you know, the top leaders of the project and, uh, you know, getting people chasing them for, for, for stuff. Wow. <laughs> so, so, so my job is really mentoring these kids and, and getting them to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. learn how to cope with that, deal with that. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, and and to survive. Yeah. <laughs> so, what kind of advice would you give to a teenager who wants to mm -hmm. pursue your job field? All right. Yeah, but um, you're a you're a teenager, right? You're, yeah, I'm a teenager. All right. So you're you're doing your you're in your high school. You're getting yeah. ready for university. Yeah. How old are you? Sixteen. 16. All right. Okay. Good. Well, this is uh, time for a lot of questioning. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me um, too. Okay. So, so have, have, a, have a goal, <laughs> have an objective, you know, and move towards something. Mm -hmm. uh, when you've got too many options, you know, you don't know what to do, you know, take towards it. Uh, I mean, I've always had sort of a vague goal other than you know okay i was gonna i was supposed to become a doctor so i, I everything i was doing study wise was moving towards that direction mm -hmm. um although you know mm -hmm. it was never me really wanting but at the same time it wasn't i wasn't like against it and so why not okay mm -hmm. but <clears throat> behind that i also had another um objective and that was to work uh, you know, location free. Mm. Now, I, I, I had no idea that I was going to be in the position I was, I am in today. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I moved towards that, uh, <clears throat> you know, throughout my career. Mm. Um, at a certain point, I thought the only way for me to do that was to become a consultant. Mm -hmm. And to become a consultant, I thought what I needed was industry experience. To have industry experience, well, obviously you have to get in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I was in the academia, academic world, as mm -hmm. I've been you know, mm -hmm. talking about earlier. So I think jumping from the academic world to the private industry was the biggest thing for me. That was a, a, you know, a career changer. It was a very scary move uh, because mm -hmm. it, when you're in the university and just sort of plowing along, just continuing. Uh, there is a sense of security uh, at the university. You, if you become a, a researcher, you have, you know, you're basically, you know, your your career is sort of secure unless you, you commit mm -hmm. crime or something. But if you mm -hmm. get into a university and you have a tenure, I, I mean, okay, given that if you have a tenure, uh, although getting that tenure was kind of looked like a very tough job, but I, I just suppose, you know, if you just continue and you find a university somewhere, you'll, I, I'll, I would have succeeded. <clears throat> but 
I didn't see how that could get me to a you know home-based or location-free work. I've always mm -hmm. thought I just wanted to have my computer and a phone and be able to wait, work from anywhere in the world. And in those days, you know, what I was picturing was, you know, on the beach and just typing away <laughs> and doing my mm -hmm. meetings. Of course, that's not what I'm doing today, but I mean, I could if I wanted to <laughs> with my three kids. It's, it's, it's a different uh -huh. uh, constraint that, that's, uh, that's been imposed upon me, but, but mm -hmm. you know, happily. Uh, and, uh, <clears throat> but the point is, I, 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 was, I still had that, you know, dream, that picture in my mind where I wanted to just be able to do you know, whatever I wanted to do, uh, from wherever I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I was moving towards that thinking I should at least get into the industry so I could gain industry experience and become a specialist in something, uh, that's valuable from a business perspective and then become a consultant once I feel, uh, expert enough, I guess. <clears throat> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you mentioned like your kids and I thought that was really interesting because I listened to uh, a talk that you had about how you are having like your kids learn languages too. Yep. So like what's <clears throat> the process like for <clears throat> teaching your kids languages? I don't teach my kids anything. Well, uh, okay. have them acquire. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so here's what I do. Yeah. I don't give them drills. I don't, you know, test them or, or specifically, you know, get them to do uh, a lot of things that are really language specific. Mm -hmm. What I do instead is build language <clears throat> opportunities, language learning opportunities within their life. I call this, I call this uh, CLAP, which is a little acronym mm -hmm. I made up, but it's it's very popular uh, in in the in the language world. Uh, so CLAP stands for Contextual Language Acquisition Philosophy. <clears throat> mm. uh, basically what you do is you build language learning opportunities within your life if you like mm -hmm. I don't know uh, you know if you go to work or go to go to the university you know you take the bus or the train you know you, you listen to podcasts uh, in your mm -hmm. target language uh, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff okay just build that into your your routine so for my kids what I do is well I build oh, for one thing we came back to North America so that that gives them a, a a natural environment uh, for learning English and French because we're in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Okay. On top of that, uh, well, I took out my Mandarin, which is my fourth language, but I mm -hmm. still speak it with a native accent and uh, and and uh, near native level. So talk only in Mandarin with them. My wife, being mm -hmm. Japanese, speaks Japanese to the kids. Mm -hmm. And we introduced Spanish also um, mm -hmm. because I think Spanish will be quite uh, in their career or in their lifetime. Uh, Spanish still being, you know, second language in, in the U.S. and uh, third language in the world uh, mm -hmm. after English and, and Mandarin. So so I wanted to introduce that somehow. And even though I speak Spanish, I didn't want to teach them Spanish. Mm -hmm. I What we do is we have... We hire au pairs uh, or live in nannies from Mexico. Mm. So they come mm. and they stay for you know anywhere from six months to, to a year, or even a little longer than a year. Mm -hmm. And they take care of their kids and, and they become part of the family, you know, big sister to our kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and they learn Spanish. 
-hmm. So this this methodology or this, I guess, uh, philosophy or is called OPO. I don't know if you ever heard of that. OPO stands for one person, one language, or some people uh, say one parent, uh -huh. one language, but I, in our case, it's one person, one language. Uh -huh. That's O-P-O-L, OPO. And uh, I, for us, that's a, our religion. Uh, uh -huh. We basically do that because I didn't want to do anything different. Um, like, like some people do Monday is, you know, language A, Tuesday is language B, Wednesday is language C. Um, I, I don't want to do that, even though I speak these five languages, mm -hmm. uh, because I'm afraid that one day they will, re, you know, reject this uh, this routine, mm -hmm. and that they will be, you know, picking their their most, you know, their, the easiest language to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so, what I wanted to do is really create a habit for them to to only mm -hmm. speak one language for with a specific person. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's working out so you know pretty well uh, wow. so far. Wow, uh, that's great. So, what? Um, I uh, I have this like final question. Uh, what do you want to do in the future, or what do you want to continue doing? Well, I'm 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 pretty happy where I am. Uh, uh -huh. I think pretty much everything we do revolves around the kids. Um, mm -hmm. you know, spending time with the kids, you know, thanks to my, my current job, I basically, I could, you know, do this podcast also. <laughs> it's, it's uh -huh. because during the day, I'm, I'm pretty free uh -huh. because I work at night uh -huh. and I get to go skiing with the kids and, and spend a lot wow. of kids at times with the kids. Uh -huh. And so for now that this, this is pretty much it, I'm, I'm trying to build a, a following online. So, uh -huh. so you see me, you know, on YouTube and whatnot uh -huh. and. And and this kind of stuff, this is fun. This is this doesn't pay the bills, but this is uh -huh. this is fun. So on my on my uh, on the side, this is what I do. I, I coach people, and I you know I give interviews and and give talks at at Polyglot Conference or at Langfest. Uh -huh. I organize Langfest actually with with a couple uh -huh. of friends uh, in Montreal every year. So mm -hmm. the language side is a is a fun hobby. If one day that becomes a um, a job. Um, uh, but maybe that'll be nice as long as it's as long as it remains uh you know location free <laughs> yeah that, that's my uh -huh. key i think uh uh, uh -huh. criteria for for whatever job mm -hmm. that i that i get in the future i don't think i can go back and work uh nine to five uh, at the office uh, and this uh -huh. is the best i can get you know short of you know opening my own company mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh and uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that right, just right yet. Now I'm, I'm very happy having the security of a of a company, of a global company behind me, yeah. and uh -huh. also the flexibility of doing the stuff on the side. Um, so, so for now, this I, I've reached where I wanted uh -huh. to be, and um, you know that I, I wish everybody could could find this. You know, mm -hmm. this moment where you go, well. Uh, I've arrived, you know, yeah. and from everything, you know, additional from here is, is icing on the cake, but I, mm -hmm. I got the cake. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't hit the jackpot uh, in terms of, you know, finances or I didn't hit the, uh, you know, I didn't find the, the, the passion of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. 
maybe I may but... get that later, but <laughs> but I'm not, you know, working out in minus forty degrees, you know, having to to climb telephone posts and and and, uh-huh. and work outside, you know. Uh-huh. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Some people may <laughs> like that, but um, uh-huh. you know, I don't like working physically. I, I'm okay with sitting in front of my computer, you know, 24/7. That's just I do it mm-hmm. anyways, whether it's job or otherwise. So mm-hmm. I, I have no problems with that at all. And people say if you work at home, you know, don't you miss your friends? And I don't know, not really. <laughs> friends. Yeah, are, everyone's different. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean. Yeah, you know, not, not not. I don't mean friends, but like camaraderie, you know, of, uh-huh, of uh-huh. office environment. And uh-huh. I, I don't I don't miss that at all. I mean, uh-huh. I, I go to the office, uh, the Tokyo office, every once in a while when I yeah business trip. Uh, but otherwise, if I want to see friends, I have, you know friends here that mm-hmm. have nothing to do with job. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I don't know. That's something that I kind of wanted, like, for myself, because. Uh, I wanted to have something where, uh, like, I have a job where it's possible to like travel around because mm-hmm. I love this. I love like visiting new places. Well, how about how about we take the the interview a little in that direction and and sure. talk about you? Uh, your, okay, your, sure. your audience probably wants to hear about you know how how you think, and then and then I could yeah. comment on you know what I yeah in your place. Sure. So yeah. uh, I have no idea like what. I want to do mm-hmm. in the future. That's typical. But I, or yeah, you're not. But I, yeah, because <laughs> uh, like I'm pretty sure like none of none of my friends know what they want to do either. Mm-hmm. Like a lot not of people that, in my school. Not that school. it's okay. Um, yeah, but you, should, you know, the, the earlier you find it, the better <laughs> yeah. it is. But it, uh-huh. it's tough. It's, it's mm-hmm. very hard. Yeah, so that's do, what I'm but, trying to do. I do recommend right you talk to many people, and you're you're, mm-hmm. you're doing a good thing. You know, this this interview is also also in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to a lot of people Uh, Mm -hmm. uh so like i want to try to like i don't know like have a a job that is possible to move from like one country to another Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense like a job that's like kind of like universal and that is needed in a bunch of different in a lot of countries so that it's possible for me to like jump from one place to another that's kind of what i wanted to have And I don't have like the language like ability that like, I don't have like the amount of languages that you know. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to learn new learn like languages now. And that's basically what I'm trying to do right now. But other than that, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Uh, definitely like learned a lot about how language can tie into what you do and how important it is to learn a language and bridge two different cultures together. So that was really interesting to uh, listen about. Yeah, de- definitely. And there are, you know, pretty a lot of indirect ways that languages shape you as a person. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when I learned Spanish from the Latinos, you know, that, that totally changed my my Asian mindset <laughs> uh, from, you know, uh-huh. a, a rigid, you know, uh-huh. um, disciplined mindset to, uh, you know, yeah, let go a bit, you know, be, be a lot more free and and and, and jovial, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that sort of comes out when you're in your communication with people. You're not quite as demanding. Uh, you're more mm-hmm. friendly just because I learned Spanish, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these different That's languages awesome. come with different cultures. And if you what you need to do is pick out the best part of every every culture 
and, ma- mm-hmm. and integrate that into your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's how I see it. Yeah, and that's like a yeah, that's a great mindset to have, just like learning from different cultures and then implementing it into your own, so you can have like uh just like having the best life, I guess you can say. Yeah. And um, uh, I think like one of the most important things that you touched upon was like having a goal and then knowing yes. the steps to pursue that goal. And, yes. Uh, it may not be the ultimate you know destination but you need to move in that direction and uh, adjust okay mm-hmm. because when whatever goal you have uh, it, it is kind of in the general direction i mean you can't have nothing okay you, you can't mm-hmm. have 360 degrees of, of no direction you, you know mm-hmm. randomness you have to have something and you 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 must have something that you like you know mm-hmm. that you want and even if you don't know how specifically or all the intermediate steps but you should see mm-hmm. something you know in a general direction and just start moving in that in that way and then things will pop up like uh, i didn't quite get to this but how i got to my job currently uh was really because i moved in that direction and i got myself an mba and then i got into a pharmaceutical company and that mm-hmm. one thing led to another i didn't become a, co- a consultant which was what i thought i needed to become mm-hmm. uh, i got a call from a, a friend who worked at this company uh, he mm-hmm. said they needed a project manager, and and they and and my friend knew that I wanted to work from home, and and this this job allowed me to work from home, even though I had no experience as a project manager at the time, mm-hmm. uh, in whatever I was supposed to do, but mm-hmm. he uh, he believed in me as a as a you know as a talent, and uh, and sold me to his boss, and uh, and now I'm I'm with this company for seven years now. Wow. So. Yeah. So that's so, what I can yeah. tell you guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't know, don't don't stop. Just just move forward, and mm-hmm. something will come mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time. So, thank you for doing this. All right. uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, and Fantastic. I really appreciate it. Anytime. And that's gonna be it for the interview with Tetsu Yang, who is a clinical operations manager, but also has a PhD in cellular molecular biology. So that's a little fun fact. Um, Definitely a really normal job, but also has some unique aspects because of his personal knowledge. And I think that's something to take away from all of these interviews is that a lot of people have normal jobs, but they have these unique aspects to them that every single person will have differently and they will utilize differently to help them with their own job. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're um, thinking about going into a job that not every single person that does the job is going to do the same exact thing. Everyone has unique aspects to it, and that's what makes everyone special. But other than that, I just want to say follow Tetsu at AskTetsu and go to his website at AskTetsu.com. Other than that, you can follow me on Instagram at MajorJobsPodcast. You can go to my website, MajorJobsPodcast.com, and follow me on Twitter at MajorJobsPod. And that's going to be it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.